Welcome to the AI Hustle Podcast, the podcast where we break down the latest in AI news, tools, and interview experts helping you hustle and do more using AI. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you'll know that over the last six months, I've been working on a stealth AI startup. Of the hundreds of projects I've covered, this is the one that I believe has the greatest potential. So today I'm excited to announce AI Box. AI Box is a no-code AI app building platform paired with the App Store for AI that lets you monetize your AI tools. The platform lets you build apps by linking together AI models like ChatGPT, MidJourney, and Eleven Labs eventually will integrate with software like Gmail, Trello, and Salesforce so you can use AI to automate every function in your organization. To get notified when we launch and be one of the first to build on the platform, you can join the waitlist at AIbox.ai. The link is in the show notes. We are currently raising a seed round of funding. If you're an investor that is focused on disruptive tech, I'd love to tell you more about the platform. You can reach out to me at jaden at AIbox.ai. I'll leave that email in the show notes. Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Mike Zeonk who is a serial entrepreneur and a VC partner based in Silicon Valley. He has a passion for automation, generative AI, and supply chain. We're super excited to have you on the show today. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Jaden. Great to be on the show. So I would love to kick this thing off. You know, we're super stoked to have you on. I'd love to kick this thing off asking you a little bit about your journey um, and your background. Was venture capital something you always knew you were interested in, right? You're a serial entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit about your journey that brought you here, but maybe um, about some some of the, the things you've done in the past as well in entrepreneurship. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so my background is I'm originally from Vancouver, Canada, uh, and I was actually a, a basketball player in university. I had a scholarship at UBC, and then I realized like nice. you can't you can't do that forever, right? And then so I got into entrepreneurship and helped start a few different st companies and then uh, eventually was hired by the founder of Plug and Play uh, back in 2015, um, who offered me to join Plug and Play and, and come to Silicon Valley. And when, when I joined Plug and Play, there was about 15 people um, full time. And now there's about 850 people. So we grew significantly. We grew it globally. And uh, yeah, so I helped start a variety of different programs within Plug and Play. And back in 2017, uh, I had an idea to start the supply chain program because I realized there's a, a lot of changes happening to supply chain. There's need, more need for AI and automation. And that program ended up being extremely successful. Uh, our first corporate partner was Maersk, and then we scaled globally uh, to about six different offices. Uh, and in, so we're in Silicon Valley. We're in Arkansas with Walmart, Tyson Foods, JB Hunt. Toronto, Canada, Savannah, Georgia, Hamburg, and Shanghai. So that was really cool um, to grow that program. We ended up raising a, a fund. So we raised a $25.5 million fund. Um, so we, uh, our largest investor is actually the Waltons, uh, who are Walmart. And they really loved what the work we did with, Wal uh, with uh, Walmart in Arkansas. And then they're like, we'll support as your first investor. We got a bunch of corporates to invest in the fund. So uh, today, the supply chain programs invested in about over seventy startups, and um, and yeah, so I I've had I've had a great experience now from the VC side and now the and and also the entrepreneurial side. Um, so after seeing all these companies grow within plug and play, I I um, like wrap. We, we were in supply chain. We were investors in like Rappi and 
Jiffo, which are unicorns, and then uh, through the fund also, not just a plug-and-play family office, investors in Einride, which is a fully electric autonomous truck that's now scaling across the U.S. I just got really inspired to to not so no, I'm I'm now like kind of like part time on the VC side. I'm still a founding partner in the fund, but also I'm a co-founder now in Codif. So I'm I'm back on the entrepreneurial side, and Codif is doing. Uh, customer support automation. So we we raised two rounds of funding, and we're automating uh, support uh, at, at scale. and And I'm happy to chat more about that as as well. Yeah, super exciting. Oh my gosh, you've done a lot of really cool things. You gave me so much meat there to uh, to to get some good questions for. First off, I want to say I didn't realize you're from Vancouver. I'm actually from Vancouver Island, so oh, pretty wow, close. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really kind of funny, and uh, I think it's cool you have that background in supply chain. I feel like supply chain wasn't really something I'd looked at, looked at a lot when I was in college. And then my first job out of college, I worked at the Institute for Supply Management um, and got like kind of my eyes kind of opened to that whole field. So, um, you know, hearing you talk, there's definitely some really cool stuff. You're, you're working on some of these unicorns you invested in this space. I'm like, oh, yeah, I recognize those companies. So that's really exciting. Um, talk to me about uh, I want to jump into what you're currently working on with Codef. Um, but first, I want to I want to ask you from what you were seeing in, in the investment side and maybe what you're seeing today, what are some big shifts you feel like AI is making in the supply chain side of things, right? Um, I think this is a, an area that is ripe for disruption. It's, you know, it, it impacts the global economy in a really big way. But have you seen any startups or any big like AI specific kind of um, impacts that supply chain is going to feel? Yeah, I think supply chain by definition uh, is all about efficiency and automation. So the more you can automate and, and make processes more efficient, the the better your supply chain will run. So I think all these companies are really looking at how they can automate. Some of the like the trucking and logistics and maritime companies are a little bit more old school than some other industries. And I but I think the the amount of funding, like when I started the supply chain program in 2017, there was $6 billion invested into supply chain startups. And when I, uh, yeah, when I started focusing on Codif, there was uh, $24 billion back in 2022. So like last year, and it was incredible to see like the amount of growth in the market. And I think COVID obviously had a huge impact. And a lot of these supply chain companies became a lot like it was funny because it was an industry that was overlooked and then not and then it became like a really trendy area for a lot of startups to focus yeah. in so th that was really cool to see that kind of uh tra transformation and but i i think in general like the areas in supply chain that um our fund is invested in are like in automation for like robot robotics inside of a warehouse how you can be more efficient um which is a, a major trend that because I, I think all these jobs in general that are not things that people like dream of doing, uh, like people don't necessarily want to like just move a box from side to side all day, right? So a lot of these roles are, are being automated uh, and and uh, people can do more efficient roles uh, as well. But, but yeah, I mean, really our fund is looking at the end-to-end -end supply chain. So from the a mine, uh, like we work with like large uh, industrial companies like BSF, the largest chemical company, ExxonMobil, all the way to last mile deliveries, like with working with Walmart and TJX or TJ Maxx, people recognize in the US. And 
it's there's there's so much opportunity, but it's the supply chain is all about AI and all about automation and everyone is trying to look at generative AI models, like whether it's the big companies or whether it's uh the obviously the the startups are now now selling it more. So it's uh it, it's something that I think ever it's a major shift I'd say in the last uh uh like year or two that people are looking at it more, but it's but it's been something we've been looking at throughout. Um we're, the the supply chain fund is not just investing in AI, but it's also looking at sustainability. It's also looking we we've invested in blockchain companies, uh, we've we've IoT tracking. But I think by far the hottest area in supply chain has been the the AI space. Really exciting, yeah, and it's kind of interesting because um, when I was working in supply chain during COVID uh, at Institute for Supply Management, it's kind of a an educational. Um, place for people that work in supply chain. Um, yeah, during COVID, everything just went like crazy. It went from like pre-COVID, this kind of like you said, this overlooked thing. During COVID, it was like, oh my gosh, like if we don't get the supply chains figured out, like there's some massive impacts on global scale. Something I would, I'd be really curious to hear your perspective on, you know, a lot of people talk about um, right now, there's a, there's a kind of a group of people that are um, kind of talking about some of the the problems with AI or and automation and their concerns there, they're worried it's going to displace large, you know, swaths of the population. I think we have some uh, some quotes out of McKinsey and some other kind of consulting firms saying, you know, there's going to be some massive disruption there. A lot of people are worried about, you know, job loss and stuff. You kind of touched on it, um, you know, talking about moving boxes, but I guess what's kind of your philosophy in, in investing in these kind of automations and AI systems, do you worry that this is going to displace a lot of people and cause harm? Do you think there's a net positive to, you know, global um, kind of quality of life? How do you how do you kind of look at the the impact of, you know, disrupting jobs from AI and automation? Yeah, so I think, well, in the first hand, it's going to happen. Like people's roles are going to change. Uh, so obviously with that, we need to figure out how that's going to shift and and obviously that's a, a much deeper discussion and and like there's going to be yeah retraining of a lot of people and and more education for certain people but what i've really found interesting like with codif for example on the customer support automation side is like some when we're automating like high volume repetitive requests for example it's actually improving the agents the experience in in their work so the agents that are there are mm-hmm. actually happier because even they don't like to be asked the same repetitive, like, where is my order? Yeah. Or like, how do I do yeah. this? So even like the humans are actually happier, right? So so that's that's obviously the bigger question is like, how can they be retrained or how can they figure out roles that are, are more meaningful? But it's 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 interesting because a lot of these humans are, are happier. So it's uh, not, not answering or doing these repetitive tasks. So I think that's going to be the first area that AI is going to, going to be automating and then obviously those people are going to have to find find roles that are are more meaningful and and uh uh kind of imp- uh for them to do in their day-to-day yeah i think you i think you hit the nail on the head there you know in a lot of these discussions like the first thing i say is like whether we like it or not like it's going to happen so like let's let's discuss how we make it you know um have the best experience possible for people impacted or whatever but yeah, it's kind of interesting because there's definitely some people that resist the change, but the change is inevitable at this point yeah. um, with the technology. And I think there's so many net positives. I was recently talking to someone um, working on autonomous 
uh, like delivery, like, you know, autonomous flying delivery. Um, and, you know, they're saying you're going into like a war torn country and delivering medical supplies. If you don't have to have a human flying that aircraft in and, you know, risking their life, like, you know, it's hard to, to see that that's not a net positive um, just because there's maybe a job displacement. But it's, you know, things that are dangerous or things that are super repetitive. Um, yeah, it's great to automate some of those things. Okay, talk to me a little bit. I'm so curious, right? So you're deep into this VC kind of space, investing in startups, looking at deals, and then you decided to move back into entrepreneurship. Like, talk talk to me about what made that shift for you, and uh, and you know how why you decided to kind of make that change. Definitely. Well, well, first of all, I'm very lucky because not a lot of people have an opportunity to you know change roles and then and then still be involved. So plug and play uh, has been extremely supportive and plug and play is an investor in CODIF and uh, plug and play has been uh, allowed me to stay on as like a VC partner, even though obviously day to day I'm focusing on CODIF, um, which is not the case for a lot of startups. Um, so, yeah. so it's cool. Cause even today, like, uh, like when I was at AI four, uh, I met a ton of startups and I, I connect them to the, the relevant plug and play team members. And I'm still meeting as an entrepreneur, you meet a lot of cool entrepreneurs as well. And then I, I still send them over to the plug and play team. And so it's kind of, I'm more of an operating partner at this point. So it's been helpful because yeah, I'm still actually getting deals done and, and referring deals, but I'm not doing any like due diligence or I'm just kind of making simple referrals. And so that's been, been really cool and, and lucky for me to be able to, and obviously I greatly appreciate plug and play for supporting that. And in terms of the, the re, like after seeing and investing in like over 70 startups uh, with, within the plug and play program and seeing some really, really successful entrepreneurs, I kind of realized like uh, to be a really good investor, uh, you have to really, and to really empathize with the startups, it's important to like actually, you know, build the, build a successful company. And, and uh, I was doing a, a lot of like entrepreneurial stuff before plug and play, but I, I really wanted to kind of go through that experience, you know, raise like a, a few rounds of VC funding. And I'm like, I, I'd like to find a really great team to to do that with. And and then I found like the CODIF team, which was very smart and technically advanced and had something that was already up and running and raise raise funding. And I was able to join as a co-founder. So it just kind of like worked out and I, I felt I could leverage kind of the network I had for for that. And and it just uh, just worked out, but, but yeah, eventually like you get inspired, right? When you invest in all these entrepreneurs, you, you always kind of like enjoy building and maybe plug and play is very large and, and kind of self-sustaining. So the program I was actually, it was really cool. I was like, even this week I was selected to the plug and play, uh, supply chain program, which obviously I founded, but, um, it was cool to come full circle now, like as a startup and be there among all the other startups and everything. And, it's cool to see the program keeps growing and like plug and play is expanding all these new offices in different cities. Like I think you're in, in Arizona, but they, they're now in, yeah. in Phoenix as well. And in a bunch of cities across oh, cool. the U S so it's it, very cool. Yeah. It's cool to see the, everything continue to grow there as well. That's amazing. Okay. Just for like the listener, can you give like a breakdown of exactly what CODIF is, what you guys are doing? Um, and I guess really like the big problems you're solving for customers. Yeah. Uh, so, so at Codif, we codify customer support. So 
at the end of the day, we started our product uh, from initially our CTO. So our founding CTO, Norm Wysenkinov, uh, he was at Uber as Uber was going public. And he was like uh, one of the top engineers there. And he came up with an idea He because Uber was trying to become profitable that, hey, why don't we just automate support? So he basically took support uh, and then they, they piloted it in a few different countries like India, et cetera. And they ended up building the most automated support system that scaled globally. So he, if you go on Uber, Uber's website and, and he still has like the white paper that was written and um, essentially cool. it scaled globally and it automated like depending on the location, like globally for Uber, 60 to 80% of the customer request. So when I, when I found it, so, and it's still running. So it's, it's still running for like, if you go to Uber or Uber Eats today, it's his, his platform is still running there. So when I, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, that is not an easy thing to do. Right. So he built this low code platform that was automatable uh, and, and easily configurable in different markets. And, and for me, that was really interesting because plug and play obviously works with all these like fortune 100 companies and massive enterprises that are now looking at like generative AI and automation. So I thought that was a really good opportunity to kind of bring that to, to, to Codif. And, and when Codif was, was asking me for these intros, like a lot of startups do, it's, uh, it's hard to just make an intro and like walk away. So now and nowadays, like a lot of these relationships, right. It takes a lot of work and an effort to, um, actually get them integrated successfully. So that's what I've been doing. And, um, yeah, it's been really exciting to start pilots with like the plug and play partners and a lot of other enterprises. Codif uh, already has a lot of good case studies with with customers already, but um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Now we're leveraging generative AI sitting on top of uh, kind of our low code automation platform, and and uh, yeah, for me for me also like I realized uh, like this generative AI trend is really big. And so I wanted to also kind of be in the the midst of it, right? And the the best way to do that is in yeah. the startup world. So it's really cool to kind of be at the forefront of it and learning every day about new opportunities. That's super exciting. Yeah, I totally I totally know what you mean. Like when you see a disruption this big, right? Like I feel like there there's been a handful. Of course, there's the internet, there's the smartphone, there's a few of these big platform shifts, and I feel like AI is one of these huge ones. And uh, yeah, when you see how fast everything's evolving, you want to you want to be in it. It's exciting. It's exciting times and exciting stuff. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about some of your perhaps like a, a company that was you know that had a success story with Codef or kind of you know something something along those lines? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a couple customer case studies. Um, so our I'll talk first about like our first customer was actually a company called Good Eggs, which is grocery delivery, uh, Instacart competitor, uh, mostly on the West coast. And so they asked us to just, yeah, like automate kind of like similar to what we built for Uber, their, their support. So, and, and then when I was talking earlier about like how agent CSAC, uh, customer experience actually improved was, uh, it was it, not the customer experience and that also improved, but the agent experience also improved because we we're automating, uh, a lot of their their tickets and improving their average handle time by 40 percent um and it was yeah really successful so th their use cases they wanted to like issue full-on refunds so for example uh -huh. if you have a like your milk was crushed or whatever on your being delivered to your house you can just kind of text the system and then it will see if this is a good 
uh, a credible customer that, that is not like trying to game the system and all that, and then we'll just give them, them a refund. Yeah. Um, so there's no agent that is required for that, which is really cool. And so for like like a simple like refund, like whatever, like five ten dollars for milk or whatever was being crushed on the on the delivery to your house, that that was great. And um, another company that we're working with is a company called uh, Reserve Bar. So they're like a high end alcohol delivery company. So uh, mm-hmm. the most common question that they get when people are ordering like from their e commerce platform is where is my order? So rather than navigating through all the systems are like tools sitting on top of like Zendesk and Salesforce or all the different systems uh, is able to immediately uh, trigger that. And based on like, for example, like, like the chat bot uh, based on the, the customer's email will immediately trigger. This is the, uh, this is the order. This is where it is in real time and it will immediately resolve that issue. So that was really great. Very cool. Yeah. So that that was really cool. It improved their CSAT. Uh, it deflected over 20% of their like high volume, uh, low value tickets. It reduced uh, a lot of their agent hours. So it was an enormous cost savings for them. So I, I could go on and on. The, the like e-commerce was our first industry uh, and customer base. Now we're also working with like uh, Coin Market Cap uh, and and Trust Wallet has we're, we're running kind of their their chapel on their website, um, right. in the crypto space and then uh, yeah we have a bunch of other kind of uh, larger customers also that we're going to announce soon um, so um, so yeah looking at those is kind of like I'd say the first ones are, are retail and and finance. Uh, and now, because obviously my background, the logistics space, those those were like kind of the first three markets, but we're really like a horizontal uh, customer experience and customer support automation platform. Incredible. Wow. Yeah, I can, you can imagine for companies, this is, that's an incredible use case. And then even for consumers, right? Like I recently, uh, you're from Canada, so you probably know Bank of Montreal, yeah. shout out to them. Dude, I had to try to like make an online payment. They didn't have the the portal on the website. I had to like call. I got transferred between five different people, and I'm just like, please take my money for like my credit card. Yeah, and uh, it was like such a hassle. Yeah, so customers, if you can automate that customer support, they will love your company. So yeah, huge value add. I see a lot of amazing things that uh, you guys are doing there. Something I would be curious to find out from your perspective is like. What's what's like the next kind of step for Codif that you're really excited about? Maybe the next set of features or the next vertical you you plan on kind of attacking? Like what gets you excited on the horizon? Yeah, that's there's a lot there. So I think uh, with Codif uh, right now, like we're we're good on funding. Uh, we raised like two rounds of funding, and we'll do another big round probably next year. And then we, in terms of the product, we. We, we unleashed like a new uh, kind of AI agent assistant tool as well. So this is actually working with the agents. So we're getting contacted by all these like BPOs and like call centers that are also wanting to use our tech because we can in real time provide them AI automated responses. Um, and th- that can also that can also benefit like our customer facing uh, chatbots because we're constantly using the AI to re- refine and improve those uh, customer responses. So I think in terms of what I'm excited about um, is really working with large enterprises because we we've signed a lot of kind of mid market companies, and and now we're starting to uh, kind of a lot of these large companies, especially the ones like I've worked with with plug and play, 
are now are seeing that they need to do something here. So they need to test out generative AI models or they need to find like a, a startup or someone who has experience doing that. So I'm really excited. I can't announce yet some of our, our new kind of enterprise uh, customers, but uh, that are coming in, but there's some really excited, like fortune 100 companies that we're, we're, uh, we're, we're working deeply and, and, and in deep talks with. So uh, that's, that's really exciting, but hopefully on the next podcast or uh, we'll be able to announce. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get you on as you, as you guys grow. It sounds like an incredible company. Something I'd love to ask you as we're wrapping up the show here. Do you have a piece of advice that you could give to entrepreneurs in the AI space today? Yeah, I think the best advice uh, for us uh, that's worked is, is really focusing on uh, use cases within the industry, right? So I think studying the customers and like what they're trying to solve in the end, that's been the most effective. So how to put that in like plain business language, like this is the problem we're solving. Obviously we're using all this AI and low code automation to do it in the background, but that's, that's been uh, the, the important piece uh, for us to, uh, yeah, to really like, uh, dive deep into like these these industry use cases. So um, to figure out like with the the retail and e-commerce customers, like we've already figured that out, like it, it works great. But now we're trying to like dive very deep into logistics as well, as an example, and figure out like the customer care use cases and, and the automating unnecessary high volume requests, like tracking like bill of ladings or uh, working with different kind of logistics uh, use cases. So I, I'd say that the best advice is, yeah, really finding those customers and kind of co-development partners and working with them to uh, bring our technology to market because we can build all the great the greatest tools and technology, but if we don't have customers that are utilizing them, then uh, then it, it doesn't make sense and it's not going to work in the yeah, 100%. Um, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been amazing to have you hear your insights. It's really cool hearing someone from the VC and entrepreneurship side. So we really appreciate that. In the show notes for the listener, I will leave a link to Codif so you can try it out. Um, and for companies that are interested in integrating it, um, that'll be the great place to go. Thank you so much, Mike. And to the listener, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day. If you are looking for an innovative and creative community of people using ChatGPT, you need to join our ChatGPT creators community. I'll drop a link in the description to this podcast. We'd love to see you there where we share tips and tricks of what is working in ChatGPT. It's a lot easier than a podcast as you can see screenshots, you can share and comment on things that are currently working. So if this sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the comment. We'd love to have you in the community. Thanks for joining me on the OpenAI podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would rate this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to the AI Hustle podcast. If you could do us a massive favor, we would really, really appreciate it if you could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps people find the podcast. It helps people know this is a good place to go. And we would really, really appreciate it as it helps us continue to bring on incredible guests and share incredible content for you to listen to.